break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out, 29th of September, 2021. Very happy to be back with you here on the show, and we've got plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about the farmers of India intensifying their fight this week. We're going to be talking about long-term care workers in the United States and how they absolutely need a raise and how it would affect many millions of them if they were given a raise above poverty-level wages. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we want to start with a new arms deal between France and Greece and what that says about French and, more broadly, European imperialism. France has struck a major new arms deal with Greece in what can be seen as something of a geopolitical response to the controversy over the United States and the United Kingdom stealing an arms deal from France with Australia over submarines recently. The controversy between the Anglo-American Australian Alliance and France took on larger proportions as the French, outraged at losing tens of billions of dollars in the submarine deal, suggested that the various events surrounding that meant that Europe should consider decoupling the U.S. and Europe alliance cemented by NATO in world affairs. And indeed, the French and the Greeks in touting the deal have described it in the words of the Greek prime minister as, quote, the first step towards European defense autonomy. Or in the words of French President Emmanuel Macron, quote, this is part of the common struggles we have undertaken in Europe, technological independence, a European defense, and combat readiness. The deal itself is for six to eight frigates for the Greek Navy, as well as a strategic defense partnership. Financially, it all adds up to $5 billion. And notably for the geopolitical aspect of this, the French defense contractor Naval Group beat out U.S. company Lockheed Martin for the contract. The deal and the context of the deal lay out crucial context for understanding the French-U.S. rift that it flows from. The whole concept of European defense autonomy is rooted in the desire of certain European elites, especially in France, to be able to have their own European imperialist strategy rather than just following behind the U.S. as they have since the start of the Cold War. Something that is quite clear, as Al Jazeera noted about the press conference in regards to this between the French and Greek leaders, quote, both leaders mentioned the Sahel, the Middle East, the Mediterranean and Balkans as areas of European interest where joint military action could take place. And the same issue was also raised, this issue of Europe having its own imperialist policies, as it were, around the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, where many European leaders lamented their inability to maintain an ongoing occupation of Afghanistan without the United States because their own military capabilities were so meager. And the same theme was reflected in recent private comments between Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov and the EU Foreign Policy Chief Joseph Burrell, where Burrell told the Russians to limit their engagements on the African continent, which he referred to as, quote unquote, our place, our in that phrase being Europe's. 
Burrell's comments, at least according to Lavrov, were in relationship to the possibility of a security deal between the government in Mali and the Russian mercenary company, the Wagner Group, where France and other European countries have already been threatening the Malian government with cutting off all international aid if they went through with the deal of bringing the Wagner Group. And, of course, circling back around to the Australia issue, the EU and the U.S. are at some divergence on how to address the rise of China. So when you put it all together, it's all of one piece. In the context of the 21st century, with a range of challenges facing the entire globe, U.S. and European elites are becoming more divided on how to approach the issue of maintaining a Western imperialist monopoly, and fractures are growing. And not necessarily in the direction of peace and cooperation, but to a large degree towards more competition, increased militarism, and more knife's edge conflicts. Something which is clearly reflected in the real immediate issue behind the French-Greek deal, and those are rising tensions between Greece and Turkey. The two countries are at odds on several issues, but came to the brink of war last year over the issue of who has the rights to a fair amount of natural gas in the Mediterranean. Greek elites have been sounding the alarm since then about the military not being prepared to take on Turkey and have bought French fighter jets, had the U.S. upgrade their F-16s, and now they're buying these French frigates. So at the end of the day, this French-Greek arms deal has to be seen as a symptom of the growing contradictions in the U.S.-led unipolar order, and as that quote-unquote order phrase around the edges, with an increase in the competition of various forces seeking a greater role in the world, the dangers of more war, death, and destruction are lurking behind the whole process. One of the major elements of the budget reconciliation bill before Congress right now is increased support for long-term care in the U.S. As the country ages and the demand for long-term care grows, more attention has been turned to the serious challenges of staffing shortages, low wages, and poor conditions in many of these facilities. As such, the framework for the budget bill has roughly $2 billion in funding of various types to address these issues, as well as $190 billion as part of the broader health care expansion to address home-based care issues. One major issue is wages. One of the principal issues that has loomed behind the staffing shortages and poor conditions at assisted living facilities and with a lot of home-based care has been that it is oftentimes a poverty wage job that requires very long hours and very strenuous work. So many people don't take it on, and those who do are stretched to the limit. And several of the programs we already spoke about in the budget bill regarding long-term care are designed to help provide wage support to providers in order to raise wages. Now, that's a step below the original proposal, which was to include a minimum wage increase for all workers to $15 an hour as a part of the broader budget bill. This actually could still be done, but it seems the Democrats have already decided to drop it. Either way, there's important research on how raising the wages to $15 an hour would have a huge impact on long-term care workers and help address the challenges in staffing and conditions and improve the lives of our seniors and those who need assistance that deserves to be heard and considered when considering how important elements of this bill can be and how rather than stripping it down more, people really should be fighting to expand it. The Economic Policy Institute notes that raising the wage to $15 an hour would, quote, increase the wages of 2.2 million or 46.6% of the 4.7 million nursing assistants, home health aides, and personal care aides working in the United States. And the Economic Policy Institute reporting on this issue focuses in specifically on workers providing long-term care and details that, quote, of the 3.7 million direct care workers providing long-term care services, about half, 49.9%, or 1.9 million would receive higher pay with a $15 an hour minimum wage by 2025. 
and about 1.1 million of these affected direct care employees work in home care, and about 760,000 work in nursing or residential care homes, end quote. And notably, 55.9% of those working in nursing or residential care homes specifically would be getting a raise if the minimum wage went up to $15 an hour, which is just a total disgrace that over half of those working in nursing or residential care facilities are making below poverty wages. The Economic Policy Institute also notes that overall in the broader long-term care sector, quote, since women make up the vast majority of long-term care direct workers, 90.7% of those who would benefit are women, end quote. And they also went on to note that, quote, one half of those who would benefit are black, Latino, or Asian American Pacific Islander. In terms of the dollar impact of people's wages going up, the Economic Policy Institute notes that, quote, the average long-term care direct worker affected by the Raise the Wage Act, which is the proposal to raise things to $15 an hour, would receive an annual pay increase of $3,200 in 2021 dollars. If they work year-round, that's 52 weeks out of the year. Black or Latino long-term care workers would see slightly larger pay increases. The average annual earnings for these workers would rise by $3,500 and $3,700, respectively, if they worked 52 weeks out of the year, which just gives you a sense of the scale of poverty wage jobs that people would be getting over $3,000 more per year by their wages going up to $15 an hour. Now, of course, the impact is not spread evenly over all parts of the country as some states specialize in poverty wages. As the reporting on this issue or the research on this issue by the Economic Policy Institute lays out, quote, in nine states, more than five out of every six direct care workers would have higher take home pay. Ninety point seven percent in Mississippi, eighty nine point three percent in Louisiana, eighty seven point four percent in Arkansas, eighty five point nine percent in West Virginia, eighty five point nine percent in Oklahoma as well. 84.8% in Alabama, 84.8% in New Mexico, 84.4% in Missouri, and 83.5% in Kansas. In 23 states, 75% or more of long-term care workers would have higher pay. Southern states tend to have particularly high shares of direct care workers who would benefit since many of these states have low minimum wages. In fact, the five states that would not even have a minimum wage at all if it were not for the federal minimum wage are all in the South. Right now, the budget bill is at a point where there is a chance of it being totally cannibalized or perhaps not even happening at all in order to meet the demands of corporate controlled politicians who do not want there to be higher taxes on the wealthy. So it is certainly possible critical assistance for long-term care workers will be cut down significantly, along with other things. If that sounds absurd to you, particularly since we're sitting here in the richest country in the history of countries, well, now would be the time to act. On Monday, Indian farmers and their supporters engaged in a range of protest sit-ins and road and rail blockages, seeking to shut down as much of the country's daily economic activity as possible in protest of the three anti-farmer laws being pushed by the far-right, hyper-capitalist government of Narendra Modi, and the BJP party that rules India. The call to action was issued by the SKM, which is an umbrella group of farmers' organizations, and was also backed by most of the political parties in the country other than the BJP and also by state governments in Kerala, Tamil Nadu, Andhra Pradesh, and Punjab. 
As the progressive news organization People's Dispatch details, quote, there was an almost total shutdown in Punjab with transport services staying suspended in shops, commercial establishments and educational institutions remaining shut at most places during the shutdown in neighboring Haryana, too. The shutdown evoked a good response at many places where shops, educational institutions, commercial establishments all remained shut. NewsClick also noted that, quote, the protesters also squatted on railway tracks at many places in the two states. However, in view of the inconvenience faced by passengers, some farmers and other volunteers organized food service to them. In Tamil Nadu, 50,000 people demonstrated in the major city of Kolkata for a large portion of the day. All the major highways into the city were blocked. The major response to the call to shut things down shows how elemental the struggle really is for the lives of rural people. The basic thrust of the situation is this. Currently in India, there is a minimum price that farmers are guaranteed for their produce. And even with that, many farmers find it difficult to make ends meet. 50% of farmers are in debt, for instance. And on average, a farm household has to get 48% of its income from wage labor on top of their farming activities. What the government laws propose is to eliminate the minimum prices and allow free reign for traders to manage the buying and selling of grain. Ultimately, since there are a limited number of buyers, it makes it easier for traders to force peasants to take lower prices than the minimum prices now because, well, what else can they do? So farmers rightfully understand the laws as being designed to drive them further into poverty while enriching the grain traders and the big companies buying the grain. The overall thrust of the demonstrations was a clear refutation, though, of government propaganda that the protest movement had ground to a halt and was confined to just a small group of farmers in two states. It showed that the farmer struggle remains a major catalyst for social struggle in the country more broadly and that it continues to have resonance with all the struggles taking place in India against the BJP government that across the board is attempting to immiserate the poor and make the wealthy even richer. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. 